Welcome, everyone, to another edition of The Devil Horns. I am Corey. Thank you for listening. And with me tonight is my esteemed colleague in the metal community, New Jersey Nick. Thanks for joining good me, man. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Now, you'll notice that we are two-thirds of the show. Uh, Mike Zombie couldn't be here with us tonight, and he is missed. He is missed. But, uh, Nick, I, I believe that... Uh, you know, you you were uh, uh, talking with Mike about why he couldn't be here tonight, and uh, it's actually pretty interesting. It was? Oh. I, I didn't think it was that interesting. I mean, yeah. you, you know, something about a sex scandal dick pic thing? See, what, I, was, I, what was that? I heard it was an overdose, but I, I maybe I was sort of getting my wires crossed there. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, it, whatever it was, he, he sort of has to, you know, play it on the down low. I know, I know. We really shouldn't even have uh, said dick pic. (sighs) Allegedly sent dick pics. This is all getting edited out, if I remember. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyhow, you are missed, Mike, and the situation you're in, whatever it is, I hope everything turns out well for you and that you're here again with us soon. And he will be. He will be. But, uh, man, uh, you know, this is a show where we're just sort of doing this off the hip and and just... uh, just going with it, uh, and uh, man, we've been doing a, a lot, listening to a lot of things, going to a lot of great shows. Nick, I know you and I, we've, we've been to a couple shows here in uh, you know the past couple weeks, and mm-hmm. they've rocked. We've been listening to a lot of music, so um, I don't know, man. Tell me, what's been going on in your life as far as music? Uh, what have you gone to see? Is there anything, uh, is there anything cool? Well, at least, um, yeah, lately I did get to go see, uh, I feel like I only go to one show a year these days because I'm getting old. And um, uh, (laughs) like last year, I only made it to one show. I was busy, man. I was fucking busy and broke. That always hurts. Um, But this year I bought for $10 the other day, like they didn't sell enough tickets to the Uproar Festival, uh, the Rockstar Energy Drink Uproar Festival, and they made the tickets 10 bucks. If it's still coming to your area, you should look online and just see. I mean, 10 bucks, who the fuck cares, right? Um, And I really, like, dude, I didn't care about any of the bands playing at all except um, Alice in Chains, the headliners. Nice. Which, one of my favorite bands ever. One of everybody's favorite bands ever, probably. Uh, the, The other bands playing, all right, let me just run down the rest of the show. I showed up late as fuck, so I didn't have to see any of it. All bands I either vaguely know, really hate, or don't care about. Uh, Jane's Addiction played right before Alice in Chains. Wow. I hate Alice. I hate Jane's Addiction. I hate them, dude. <laughs> I hate them. Have I you can't, always I can't. hated them? I mean, even always, dude. Oh, yeah. Always. Because uh, <laughs> even like I went to Lollapalooza in 2003 just to see Audio Slave, and um, dude, they. Uh, I left before Jane's Addiction. I can't deal. I can't. And I, I know that like some people who are a little normally they're always like a couple of years older than me and they grew up with them on the radio and stuff and uh, they like them. But I can't. I can't. I don't know what it is. Well, I know exactly what it is. It's Perry Farrell. Um, yeah. But I, I just can't. I just can't. So I'm sorry to all the Jane's Addiction fans. I'm well, sorry. I, you know, I, I appreciate their early albums, you know, because I, I'm one of those guys that, you know, we're we're about the same age and listening to the same stuff on the radio probably for a while anyhow and and uh yeah jane's addiction with nothing shocking and and stuff you know i i like that man when i was back you know 18 or whatever man you know hearing ben caught stealing that was cool you know because it's kind of rebellious and everything. <laughs> and, uh, see i i'm sorry Corey. i'm sorry but i just can't yeah, i'm sorry that i, I you were I the fans i was talking about uh, no uh, no the, no because i'm not anymore like uh, i'm interested in that stuff and i i still kind of dig it i can still listen to it but i mean <laughs> seriously perry farrell I, I mean he sort of i don't know he, he dropped off my radar you know after probably about 19 i don't know when did porno for pyros come out their first album Ooh, like 95 ish yeah i listened to that for a while and then uh, you know things got weird he started Lollapalooza, and which is sort of interesting but then you know Whatever. I haven't been interested in them for, I guess, decades now. <laughs> but, did you Did you ever go to Lollapalooza back in the day when it was really Lollapalooza? I wish 
I wish I did, but uh, I never caught that. I know, because back in the 90s, dude, it was like all cool bands played, like Nine Inch Nails and uh, Tool. and Soundgarden and yeah. Pearl Jam. Yeah. Alice in Chains. But, dude, by the time I saw Lollapalooza, when they, I, I went when they brought it back in, like, 2003, and it was seriously, I like to pretend that that show was Audio Slave and Queens of the Stone Age and nobody else. Because, like, everybody else who played that show was just, like, bands that aren't even, like, around anymore or it was, like, Incubus. and. Oh. I, uh, I mean, I, I sat through Incubus. I've seen like so many fucking bands live, dude. But, um, I mean, you know, I mainly only saw bands that day to like put notches in my belt. Like I saw Jurassic five, some rap group that was not good. And to- nobody remembers Jurassic five, wow. but, uh, you know, audio slave was cool. At least, uh, they were okay. Uh, they, I actually saw them play better than Lollapalooza, but whatever. Oh, man. So back to Uproar Tour, the other bands on the show. The only other band that I was even remotely interested in seeing at all is was Coheed and Cambria. Now, I'm not into Coheed and Cambria, but I'm like familiar with them. So I kind of wanted to see them, but not really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. They've got they've got a couple of cool songs, but um, I, I end, actually ended up showing up right when they were performing. So I kind of missed them anyway. Uh. Uh, the other bands, dude, I don't even know these other bands. It's all like, I guess they're like indie bands. Cause that's the thing now, like Circa survive walking papers, Danko Jones, middle-class rut, new Poly. I don't know who these people are. I'm looking on the website and I'm like, wow, you know, rockstar energy. This has got to be, you know, like a big, big ticket show here, which, you know, with mm-hmm. Alice in Chains, Jane's addiction, you know, Coheed and Cambria, you know, the first one showing up on the page. But after that, I'm like, uh, no, no. Yeah. No, see, see, like, you know, Rockstar, they have the Mayhem Festival, which is the metal-oriented one. And then the Uproar t- Festival is normally like the, uh, the radio-friendly um, radio Rockstar Energy Drink uh, Tour. Gotcha. Uh, I, I say radio-friendly, but, like, obviously this year they didn't even really have radio-friendly bands on it. No. I, I'm trying to think of who played it in the past, but I think it was, like, Shinedown and Seether and stuff. They've done Uproar. Uh, they've been the Uproar while, like, Mayhem is Disturbed, Slipknot, Dragon Force, you Mayhem know? Mayhem looked awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, who was on it this year? Um, oh, my God. Uh, Battlecross, uh, Children of Bodom. Mastodon, um, Machine Head, yeah, Rob, Rob Zombie. Zombie. Yeah. Death Punch. Dude, the only reason I didn't go to Mayhem was um, because I've actually seen, like, pretty much every band on that show, uh, other oh, than, like, suck. a few of the uh. smaller ones, you know what I mean? Like, everybody on main stage I think I had seen. It was uh, Mastodon and Machine Head, and, um, you know, I love all those bands, but I, I've gotten to the point where if I'm going to go see one of those bands, I want to go to their own show where they're going to play like a normal set list and not just like a bunch of singles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love Mastodon. Don't get me wrong. I love Machine <laughs> Head. I like yeah. seeing uh, Rob Zombie live is awesome. Yes. And uh, yes. the Death Punch is great live, too. For the five finger Death Punch. Uh, but I actually went to Mayhem a couple of years ago and it was the same fucking guys because it was uh rob zombie and five finger death punch on main stage wow so i didn't want to go and see the same show again that was the only reason i skipped out and i know i know you've got your big thing on battle cross and i'll see them someday but uh i i haven't listened to too much other than a couple of the videos you've posted here and there hmm. um but i i'm sure i'll see them i see every fucking metal band because like everybody tours with everybody man so it's cool oh yeah and but, uh, uh, yeah, so mayhem's over right now. And I know, you know, as far as Battlecross goes um, and well, you know, going back to mayhem, they went through my area actually several times. They were uh, I think they were in Pittsburgh and somewhere in Ohio. And, and then they were up actually the closest that it got to me was in Darien Lake, New York. And uh, that's only an hour away from me. So mm-hmm. it's not even that big a deal to get to. But um it was on like a Sunday. I had like family things going on and I really wanted to get there. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go. But I couldn't even bring bring myself to <laughs> approach my wife with that, right. uh, that, you know, that possibility. So uh, I didn't I go. And I'm go. just kicking myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just kicking myself, man, because uh, now um, Mayhem's over and uh, Battlecross is actually out there. They're touring with a few other bands. I think Huntress. um, and uh, a couple other ones, but they're doing more of like a club circuit now. 
and mm-hmm. uh, they hit. I, I follow them on Facebook, and I watch it. And they were at a club, one of my favorite clubs in Cleveland, uh, called Peabody's, and it's where I've seen Michael Graves like three or four times, and uh, it, it's, it's an amazing venue. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I heard, you know, Battlecross is going to be a Peabody. So I'm like, dude, that's an hour and a half from me. I go to Cleveland all the time. I can totally make this. And then in like that same post that Battlecross was making about them being in Peabody's, it's like, hey, you know, tonight we're going to be at Peabody's, blah, 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 blah. He's like, unfortunately, it's sold out. So thank you to everybody that bought tickets. <laughs> you can't go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know what sucks? My local club um, is the Starland Ballroom in Sayreville. It, it is the absolute awesomest place to go see a show. And like lately, Jersey crowds have been really good for metal shows the past, I'd say almost the past 10 years. Um, it used to be like 15, 20 years ago. It would be like you'd go to a show and people would just like stand there. They were the jaded New York area crowd, right? <laughs> yeah. But as like the the new wave of metal came over the past ten or fifteen years, uh, you, you know it was centered in the Northeast over here, um, and um, people really just turned out great crowds. And Starland Ballroom is just one of those fucking places that like, you know, the bands would even like write on like their Facebook or whatever. Man, I think the Starland Ballroom was actually one of the best shows ever last night. You know, and. Um, uh, and I mean frequently enough that I didn't feel like they were just patronizing us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've seen that frequently enough, I should say. But that place, like after the hurricane, I just saw I, – I know that they were closed and they're not opening until September. Um, but I saw pictures the other day. They were like completely underwater and that really blows. But uh, they wow. they finally have rebuilt and are going to start having shows again. So that's cool. Nice. Um, but I, And I love going there, dude. I've I've seen like so many bands there, so – um, though, but all these bands for the past year, the, like the smaller bands that I really wanted to see, I haven't been able to because the tours didn't come through my area. My only option was to go out all the way out, like to Brooklyn to the Gramercy theater. Oh, wow. And because of that, I haven't seen like anything for the past year just cause, uh, it's pain in the ass when like ghost came by and they played on like a Thursday in Brooklyn. And getting all the way out there on a work night is, like, impossible for me. I'm an old man. I got to work for a living. And then you don't get home till like, 3 in the morning, man. And it's, right, yeah, right. It's and I got to go to work. Yeah. Oh. So, anyway, man, uh, Uproar Tour. Alice in Chains. This was the fourth time I've seen Alice in Chains. Oh, I never, wow. Did you ever see them back in the day? I've never seen them, period. Period? Oh, my yeah. God, dude. See, all right, my first experience with them, I once saw Jerry Cantrell live um, just on his solo tour back when he was doing his thing, you know, after Alice in Chains broke up. Yeah. It is one of the best shows I have ever seen in my fucking life, wow. still to this day. He is just awesome. Like, he played a bunch of Jerry Cantrell songs first, but then he played, like, maybe 75% of his set was Alice in Chains songs. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why when they were getting a new singer, I wasn't bothered by it at all. Because his backup singer at the time, the guy singing the lane parts, is now the singer of Alice in Chains. And I knew seeing them live that Jerry oh. carried everything, man. He carried everything. Uh, and it was really awesome to see them him back in the day. And then I, I, I got to see Alice in Chains you know, with the new singer a couple of times. One of the times was actually in Atlantic City. I went to the VH1 Honors show where they reunited. Hmm. Um, it was filmed in Atlantic City. And uh, I got to go and Phil Anselmo sang, sung with them. Dude, um, I saw that video. I love that, man. Yeah, was, I, I was actually there, and that was wow. like one of the coolest things I ever got to go to. It was very, very cool. Wow. Uh, and I saw him a few other times, Starland Ballroom, like I said. And, um, you, you know, they've been kind of hit or miss otherwise, like, and mostly just because of the set list. And um, the other night was good. The other night was a good show. I mean, for 10 bucks, I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I kind of wish that they had played, like, a better selection of songs, but I, I can't really complain. I mean, they played like a bunch of singles instead of stuff off the albums. In fact, the only song that was like a surprise at all was like Junkhead from Dirt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I... Uh, so it was like a uh, greatest other, hits kind of set. And, yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. And it, like two new songs, but it was like two good new songs. Um, and uh, then like they also didn't play an encore, which was a little weird. Like they ah. just played Rooster and they were like, that's it. Good night. But I, I don't really care. I, I mean, 10 bucks, it's awesome to go yeah. see them for 10 fucking dollars. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was really a cool show. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm grateful that I 
you know, had plenty of time to sit around, not near the stage or the lawn when I, when Jane's Addiction played. Uh, I wanted to get a pretzel, but five dollars for a pretzel is way too much. Yeah, that's half your uh, ticket right there. That's... Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and yo, after I left, uh, the Taco Bell truck was there giving out the uh, new fiery Doritos Los Tacos, which hasn't even been released yet. So, oh my god, ten dollars for Allison Chains and a taco. That is uh, that is the fucking way. How uh, was that taco? I it was delicious, was dude. Oh. It was delicious for free. Oh yes. Oh, oh man. So that was uh, that was a fun time. But uh, wow. Yeah, I Allison. think. Yeah, man. Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you. you know, I was gonna say like Allison Chains, like it, it's funny because they're a band that's not not particularly known as a metal band because they came up as a grunge band, but. I, I mean, how many metal bands have been would say that they were influenced or have said that they're influenced by Alice in Chains, and um, not not only that, dude. Like, how many how many bands even sound like Alice in Chains, and and you could clearly see that they're influenced or took things from them, you know? Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of different bands. I mean, Godsmack, Godsmack. <laughs> You know they were an Alice in Chains cover band. Yeah. Not not that I'm a huge fan of Godsmack at all, no. but I really think that like if times had been different, like if Alice in Chains came out today, we would call them a metal band. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. And they they had uh, been in existence and performing and and doing a lot of things before the grunge movement hit, and it just so happened that they were right there. They're grouped in with all these bands, and so they're like mm-hmm. Alice in Chains grunge band. You know. And, right. um, but no, they were, I, th- I think they were much more metal than any other, you know, quote grunge band. Oh yeah. Out there. Dude, deep grinding guitars. Uh, you know, those the offset harmonies between Lane and, uh, Jerry, Jerry really, yeah. really different stuff that nobody else was doing. Um, th- and then nobody can do right like they can, man. A- and, you know, to see them grouped in with like Pearl Jam just because they both came from Seattle at the same time is a little weird. And, you know, there's a lot of bands, man. If you go back, like, I, I mean, I grew up in the 90s and I loved music in the 90s. And there are so many bands that were not grunge at all that got called grunge. Like, uh, obviously, Alice in Chains is one of them. But, like, there's other bands like um, the, uh, what, what do you call them? Um, uh, all right, like The Offspring were called grunge. Yeah. And, like, Green Day was called grunge, you know? <laughs> I, there's so many bands that I even like. I I could see why they were included as grunge bands, but like, you you look at a band like the Smashing Pumpkins and like their music. Like maybe their first couple albums were kind of grunge, but after that they became like this almost experimental rock band. And and in fact, you could even call them like at times alt metal, like um a perfect circle. You know, like in that weird category of right. metal. Right. Because uh, some of their stuff is and people don't know, like people just know Smashing Pumpkins from the songs that are on the radio. I don't know if you've ever really listened to them at all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love the Smashing Pumpkins for Gish and uh, Siamese Dream, Infinite mm-hmm. Sadness. Um, yeah, I mean, because like some of the songs off Infinite Sadness are heavy as fuck, like yeah. Jelly Belly and Tales of a Scorched Earth, you know? Right, right. And like everybody only knows them from their their the basically the singles are their cheesy pop songs. But the stuff on the album goes deep, man, yeah. and uh, they touch a lot of different genres. But I mean, like, anyway, Alice in Chains, dude. I I think that if they were around today, we would call them a metal band. And like, I don't know, it's just such weird stuff. Oh yeah, they'd definitely be like a contemporary metal band, um, right? Because they were never as raw or as um, I don't. They were. They always had a certain standard of production. You know, where they were never as raw as like Nirvana, you know, towards the, you know, Nirvana's first and sort of, you know, in utero albums, how raw and, and you know, you, you let the mistakes sort of ring out and you don't edit that out. And um, as raw as a lot of the, the grunge got, because that's sort of that, that was one of the characteristics. But they, they were never that raw. Alice in Chains was always very well produced. Oh, actually. yeah. And, and, uh, and a great sound. I mean, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and heavy and deep and dark, you know. Yeah, and so much that Alice in Chains to me is is a lot. I, I think it's predominantly Jerry, you know, and mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean Lane, you know, of course the, the the rest of the guys in the band they make the band, they make the music, and without a piece of the puzzle, then of course it's not the same. But man, Jerry uh, just seemed to contribute so much more. He he, he just seemed to be. Uh, one of the cornerstones of the band. You know, he he wrote a lot of the songs. 
he came up with those riffs, you know, those, oh, yeah. those yeah. great, great hooks, the heaviness in it. And, um, you know, he sang a lot of the songs. He did backup in most of the songs. Um, and uh, Lane, you know, not taking anything away from him because uh, Lane was a great, great singer, a great presence, mm-hmm. a great front man for that band. Um, but, uh, you know, I think one of Allison Chain's keys to sustaining their career, even past Lane's passing, uh, has been the fact that Jerry... Uh, is still involved. He's still writing. He's still awesome, a- mm-hmm. as always. And uh, it's a huge thing. And I think that's why the new singer worked. It's because Jerry's still there, and he's sort of the glue. Absolutely, Allison man. Together. Absolutely, because, like, uh, I mean, look at the liner notes for those al- albums. If you have the old CDs, go through and see. Jerry did everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Lane, Lane did some stuff, but, like, the songs that Lane would write, like, the lyrics would be, like, like Angry Chair. He wrote that, and, like, <laughs> yeah. the lyrics don't make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, that's an acid trip. I mean, it's... Yeah, exactly. I mean, not that I don't like that song. I mean, I still love it, but Jer- Jerry wrote, like, a lot of, like, you know, my personal favorite songs of theirs, and um, a lot of the songs that they're known for were, like, more Jerry than Lane. Um, and, and um, damn, dude, like... I, I know, like, people have – there's still people who are like, I'm never going to listen to the new albums because, you know, Lane's dead. Uh, but, dude, like, Jerry was such a part of that band. I never had a problem with it. And I'm telling you, when I saw Jerry live, I knew I knew that it was going to work just because he, he he was able to pull it off on his own. Yeah. Yeah. I have no doubt. And I was one of those guys, man, after Lane passed. I, I – and – Allison Chains was in sort of a you know a state of you know nebulous sort of whatever they didn't know if they were going to continue what they were going to do and I sort of mm-hmm. lost interest in the band after Lane died you know because right. I really really loved um, what was it the self titled album with the three leg dog on the front um, that's that actually called yeah it's just self titled but a lot of people call it three legged dog oh yeah and uh, I love that one but uh, that's where I stopped with them for a lot of years and then. Just up until recently, and it, it's pretty much because of Mike at uh, on the Corpse Cast, because he is he's the biggest Alice in Chains fan that I know. You know, he just loves loves them to death. And actually, uh-huh. whenever I uh, I send him that uh, that video of Phil singing um, with uh, Alice in Chains and doing uh, I forget what song it was, but uh, it was on YouTube, and I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, Mike loves Alice in Chains. I know he loves Pantera and you know Phil and Selmo and everything, so. He would appreciate this. So I, I sent the clip to Mike on Facebook, and his comment was, yeah, well, it would be better if Lane was singing it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. But uh, so, but the whole reason, you know, that I sort of uh, got back into them here real recently is because of Mike, and he just keeps talking them up and talking them up, and I'm like, well, you know, there's got to be something there. So I went out and I got um, their two newest albums, the albums with the new singer. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, man, I love both of those albums. Uh, they're great. I mean, he somehow, he, he manages to conjure sort of the spirit and the same sort of uh, energy and, and presence that Lane has while not trying to emulate Lane. You know, he's not trying to be Lane. Um, right. He, he's sort of himself, but he has that sound that works and is, is reminiscent of Lane. Oh yeah, man, absolutely. And like I said, he actually like he was in a band. I, um, his name is William Duvall, the new singer for right. Alice in Chains. I forget the name of his old band. I think it was One Long Day. They actually used to be like the opening band for Jerry. And then when Jerry would come on, they would be the band that would play like backup to Jerry. And he would be singing like Lane's parts, harmonizing, while Jerry did like seriously. Nice. Jerry like was singing everything for Alice in Chains. He was singing. You, you know, like Lane's parts and his parts and back and forth, man. He he just, he could do it all himself. He is one of the greatest musicians I have ever seen. Wow. Yeah, he is amazing. He is amazing. Very diverse, too. He uh, mm-hmm. does a lot of stuff. I know uh, even Les Claypool played on his solo album. And uh, What was his solo album called? It was... Um, uh, uh, he's had a he few. Did. He had uh, Boggy Depot uh, yeah, was the, the first yeah, one. Yeah, Boggy Depot. Actually, Les Claypool played on that at some point. Which is really mm-hmm. cool. He's uh, he's uh, friends with Les, and uh, yeah, so uh, you know, a very, very cool guy. He, he's uh, well known in the industry. A lot of friends with uh, a lot of big names, and uh, 
nothing bad. Have you ever like read anything bad about Jerry? I mean, he just seems to, like he's a really no. good guy too. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. And think about all the bands that have like I know I've heard heard him say like Mastodon has said it and uh, Stone Sour. There's so many bands that have said that like Alice in Chains inspired them. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, you can definitely hear it through their music, and I think that it's a very cool thing. And, and it's very cool because it's like Alice in Chains, man, so many people really like them. Um, you know, it, it's almost like Universal, where, where they're – I think that they – I know that they were played a lot on the radio back in the 90s and stuff, but I think that they're almost underappreciated for what they actually did and how influent, influential they actually were. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think it's because they were sort of boxed in with the whole grunge movement, and they were, they were just like, well, this is another grunge band here, and that, that's great, and they were they were sort of uh, pigeonholed, sort of in that uh, whatever yeah. weird genre it was, and I don't think they were ever truly fully appreciated for what they were on their own merit, you know? Right, they weren't a just a people... product of the grunge movement. Exactly, man, and a lot of people looked down on... Um... Uh, on, on like grunge music at the time thinking like uh, they're just depressed people writing songs for teenagers and granted there were a lot of bands doing just that but there were also a hell of a lot of talented bands at the time too I, I mean you know even just looking at the shit that Nirvana did I know that they're the poster child for like depressed band but I think that people were just glomming on to what their style actually was to to be the depressed band of the moment you know and nirvana really has like if you've ever heard their unplugged album you know i i feel like we were robbed of like what could have been another decade's worth of music yeah. going in all different directions you know yeah um and i i mean there's a million other um examples but damn i love alice in chains yeah that's my point so do i and i'm still a fan man even i i just you know those last two albums i just bought those in the last few months here i mean that's how yeah. long i went just listening back to their, you know, 90s catalog and ignoring <laughs> everything since. But uh, I'm so glad that I did. And um, it's it's great stuff. So Alice in Chains still rocking. They're still doing stuff. I mean, they still have plans to keep moving on and recording and touring and everything. So Good. That's, that's great. <laughs> I, and I would go see them again. But uh, I would rather see them at their own tour because, like I said, man, at Lollapalooza, they just played the hits. Yeah, and big big shows like that. I mean, big these big amphitheaters with a lot of bands and stuff, and like ten thousand people and whatever. Um, you know, you're talking about Incubus, and you sat through them at some point. It wasn't at this one, but you know, at another yeah. show you're talking about. And yeah. um, I have seen them once, and you know, I've had mixed feelings about them. You know, some stuff I really dig, some stuff you know, I, 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 not so much. But uh, I'll tell you what, I saw them open for. Um, I don't think it was Primus. I, I've seen Primus and Les Claypool in his many, many different iterations of bands throughout the years. But I think that uh, Incubus was one of the bands that opened for uh, Colonel Les Claypool and the Flying Frog Brigade. Really? Back, oh, yeah. Back See, years that must years be, ago. yeah, back in the day. Because, like, Incubus has, they're one of those bands that has, like, two distinct phases. Uh, there, There's um, the part where they were sort of a, um, almost like experimental band. Not experimental, but like, um... You, you know, just kind of developing their own style. Right. And then later on when they became just like radio rock band uh, because they realized that their lead singer was pretty and that would sell albums. I definitely saw them in the uh, second half of that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them um, every time I've seen Les, actually, except for a, a few times uh, with Primus. But every time I've seen Les Claypool in one of his side bands, um, it's been in small clubs. And that's where I saw Incubus. You know, I was like 10 feet away from the band when I saw them. It was really cool. And it was a mm. great show. I really, really dug it. Uh, had a lot of energy. They rocked it. It was just, uh, they had a lot of, uh, it translated to the crowd. I mean, it, it was just really great. Um, oh, see, because like when I saw them, it was uh, whatever the lead singer's guy, guy's name is, mm. like, you know, just kind of waiting around, not wearing, not wearing a shirt. Like just soaking in the uh, squeals, like like from the girls in the audience. Oh, it was extremely annoying, like something that a metal fan would never want to see. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I and I'm and I'm just saying that because it's like I know, like I heard uh, um, Incubus songs in the late '90s, early 2000s that were like not bad. 
right. you know, right. but we're like different. I would compare their sound more to like Gorillaz, um, that that <laughs> yeah, spinoff yeah. band yeah. from Blur, you know. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, I definitely did not enjoy myself at that Lollapalooza. Well, have you seen that yourself? Just seeing so many shows yourself, I've seen a million shows too. But uh, would you rather see a band at a big arena show where there's like thousands of people screaming and there's just that huge crowd energy? Or would you rather see a band, even, you know, a huge, huge band, even like Alice in Chains, um, at more of a club kind of thing? I, I prefer clubs, period. Almost always, except for like very rarely would I say that I'd rather see a band in like an arena, like I guess Tool, Rammstein, you know, I'd rather see in a big arena. Kiss. But otherwise, yeah. like my, yeah, yeah, like that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but I mean, most of my best shows have been at small places. Yeah. yeah. Same here. So, man, the upper tour, that sounded uh, like you had enjoyed it uh, for the most part because of Alice in Chains and mm -hmm. everything. Uh, any other shows that you've seen as of late or was this your annual show? No, this might be my annual show yeah. because I'm an old man. <laughs> God damn it. But you um, you also went to a show, your yearly show. I, I yeah. think. I, was this your first one this year? or uh, have I you believe so. Oh, well, I did go to see Michael Graves earlier. Uh, with Misfit Boy um, at Peabody's. I, I believe that was this year. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really cool. But uh, no, this is my, uh, I, I probably my second show, and I got to go back. I'm going to hate myself if I forget when that was. But uh, yeah, I saw Phil Anselmo and the Illegals, his uh, mm -hmm. solo band on their uh, Technicians of Distortion tour, which is uh, Phil with Warbeast and... Um, author and punisher so uh it's a very very cool thing it was at the house of blues in cleveland uh, actually a, a really nice area of cleveland you know most people think of cleveland and uh, think of you know rundown shithole kind of like i normally do because i i don't <laughs> like cleveland um but uh there are some great people in cleveland and there are some great areas of cleveland and uh, this is one of them uh so uh yeah i went down there just by myself i was a total loser because i was i was even on Facebook, I'm like, uh, who's coming? You know, who's coming to see Phil with me tonight? No, nobody, nobody would go. So I drove there myself, sat by myself, saw the show myself, and it was fantastic, fan friggin' tastic. I go down there, I go in, and of course I find my seat. I get a drink and everything, and not much is happening. So I go down uh, to the merch table, which is right inside the front door, mm -hmm. and um, so I'm standing in line. And I'm like you got to be kidding me. That can't possibly be, you know. And then I look, it's Bruce Corbett, the singer for War Beast. And he's uh -huh. working his table. He's and working he, his own table. He's selling shirts and CDs and everything. He's talking to people. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I kind of feel bad because I'm actually here to buy a Phil Anselmo shirt. Um, and But I actually want to talk to Bruce and uh, meet him because uh, I, I love War Beast. I really, really love them. I, I found out about them through Phil because uh, they're on Housecore right now, and uh, which is uh, Phil Anselmo's record label. Right. And uh, their newest album, Destroy, I have that, and it just rocks. Before that, they put out a split EP with uh, Phil, so it was four songs, and it was uh, absolutely amazing. I fall in, in love with them. They're sort of like, uh, to me, it may be you know heresy. It, it is going to be heresy, I think, to a lot of people out there, but they're kind of, uh, to me, they're Slayer, but better. That's... Uh, that's how I look at Warbeast. I, I just think they're they're an awesome, awesome, awesome thrash band, and I enjoy them so much more than I enjoy Slayer nowadays. Yeah, I, I saw them actually last year. My my show of the year last year was Down. Um, nice. I saw them in September, one of the last shows I could have possibly seen at the Starland Ballroom before they went underwater. And, uh, yeah, they were um, like a much more energetic Slayer, I would say. Yeah. Um, that like they they I mean they're not like the best band I, I I I've seen or anything like that I don't want people to get too excited but they are definitely uh, as far as modern thrash bands go that was a pretty impressive performance yeah oh dude and they are dead on I mean they're they do some really really technical riffs and a lot of fast stuff man and I'll tell mm -hmm. you what they are spot on with everything they did not miss a beat they are so tight. Such a tight live band. Their their uh, lead guitarist Scott, um, I can't remember his last name, but Scott, that lead guitarist, that big guy, a lot of muscles, and 
I know he <laughs> he was wearing that night. I just I cracked this. I, I was cracking up when I saw this, but uh, um, it was a War Beast shirt, and on the front it said War Beast, and it had like all the whatever art, and then on the back uh, it says Your women are our slaves. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's so metal. You know, that's, that's badass. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's this big guy, man, and he just rips it up. He shreds. And it's uh, it's so awesome. So uh, War Beast rocked. And, uh, b- but before War Beast, there was this uh, really cool and really odd sort of uh, techno ambient weird kind of industrial act called Author and Punisher. And it was one guy. And he was sitting in front of this huge construction. Uh, contraption that I think he probably made a lot of because I was trying to explain it today as a matter of fact uh, to my friend who uh, um, lives in Pittsburgh he's in a lot of bands and um, Mm -hmm. he plays a lot of stuff and he's built a lot of his own instruments and everything and I'm like well here's what this guy was playing and I was explaining it to him and even he was like I'm looking at pictures online and it's just like him in in a machine (laughs) yeah he straps himself on his right arm his right arm is what controls like the percussion part of the techno and he moves his arm back and forth, and there are triggers on this device. And so one is for bass, one is for snare, and then somewhere in the middle, I don't know if his fingers are working something uh, on that grip, but uh, there, there's uh, other different cymbal things and a lot of other samples that he's triggering with just mm-hmm. his right arm as it goes back and forth. His left hand, he's normally playing keyboards, and the keyboards in front of him are in this crazy like swing arm. And so he can sort of swing them in and out sort of as he needs them in between songs, which he did when he swung out both of the keyboards in front of him. He had this other device that was under the keyboards, and I can't make heads or tails of this. They were showing uh, camera angles of this on the big screen as he played. And the best I can describe this is it was sort of a, a, a long bar in front of him, and there's a slider sort of going back and forth, left and right on this bar. And he would just slide this thing. And as he would slide it, it would somehow trigger different sounds, different different instruments, different pitches, <laughs> and everything, just sort of as he slid this thing around. And of yeah, course, see, he's still working the percussion with his right arm and everything. It's, it's, <laughs> it's insane. I, I can't even believe it, man. I mean, I'm watching right now... Um... This uh, the, I'm watching on YouTube the video for his song, Terror Bird, hmm. Terror Bird, and dude, it's just like wonderfully weird. I actually really like this type of music, like this sort of ambient. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's got like a dubstep beat in the background, but like heavy grind over the top of it, like old Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, sort of a ministry sort of sort of thing. Yes, going on yes, there. yes. You know, I could hear uh, that too. And his and like. Mu- I, Wow, I can't even compare it to anything because it's like nothing I've really heard before. Yeah, I would, uh, you know, the only thing that came to mind, of course, you know, uh, you know, Nine Inch Nails and Ministry and maybe a little like Aphex Twin. Mm-hmm. Ever listen to that? You know, sort of yep. that that level of sort of weirdness. Um, and his microphone, I didn't mention that, his microphone was actually a lot of microphones. And you could see it was sort of in this this strange arc in front of him. So in front of his mouth... He would just sort of go up and down this whole strange conglomeration of different microphones. And every one would produce a different kind of sound. And he would take his mouth back and forth across these things. And, you know, each one was picking up. It was processed a little bit differently. And I'm sure he was manipulating that somehow on Mm -hmm. his crazy machine device that he had in front of him. Wow. Um, But just something to behold. But uh, the crowd... had a hard time judging the crowd during his set because of course the showmanship is you know he's just some guy sitting at a big weird machine and just making music so of course it's not theatric at all you know not a whole lot of you know (laughs) you know it's not dramatic whatsoever um but the music was really cool and uh you know i dug him i'm not sure how much the crowd dug him even though the crowd was pretty sparse at that point because everyone was still waiting for war beast and Still out right. I'm, I mean, I could see how it could be hard for a crowd to get into this. Um, and and I, I I do think your a- a- Apex Twin um, is probably the most apt um, comparison. But it, it's like that, but sludgier and slowed down, you know, yeah. um, which is awesome, if you ask me. <laughs> but uh, 
I, I could see that not going over very well with a live crowd. Yeah. It reminds me of the time I saw ISIS open for Tool. Oh, not, wow. Not the right band to have playing at an arena wow. in front of like a lot of mainstream fans. Yeah. I actually, that wow. was my first encounter with ISIS, and I was like, man, these guys kind of suck. Now, <laughs> once I hear them on disc, I love yeah. them. You know, w- one of my fucking favorite bands in the past 10 years, probably. Oh, yeah. Del Crover used to. He used to be associated with them. I think he played guitar. You know, Del Crover, the, he was the drummer from the Melvins. Mm. And um, I know he was in ISIS at some point at the very beginning. He played guitar in the band or something. Um, and that's how that's how I got hooked into them. And yeah, I really, really dig them. Mm. But, uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, but but uh, anyway, the main event. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, dude. So after War Beast, oh, amazing. Phil comes out and Phil has presence like nobody else. And that, oh, absolutely. that's why I, I have to say, I think, you know, arguably, and I'd have to think about this maybe a little bit more and weigh this out because this is just off the top of my head, but Phil is perhaps the greatest metal frontman of all time. I mean, he just commands the stage. Mm-hmm. He commands the audience. And he just comes yeah. out and you know what? He stands center stage, crosses his arm, crosses his arms on his chest, Mm-hmm. And sticks out his chest and just starts nodding his head and looking around. And at the whole place is going crazy. And he's just there standing, just nodding. And it was absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, it had all the energy of uh, Pantera. When I saw them back, I saw them in big arena shows back in the 90s. And, wow. Uh, I'll tell you what, he had that energy he he still he is that presence he's still that guy and yeah he's he's older now a lot wiser and in a lot of ways he's uh i think more mellow um but his music is far from mellow um his new stuff i don't know if you've listened to his new album uh with the illegal stuff or or anything like that but I, i've is, just heard the couple of songs on youtube and stuff and um it intense. is uh yeah, man, it it sounds like, um, you know, like earlier Pantera, but way heavier. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, yes. Not 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 way heavier, but like, uh more more primal, more brutal. Right, right. It, yeah, it's very aggressive, very primal. The timing is very strange. He has a lot of strange timing things going on. Mm-hmm. Phil, uh, Phil, you know, he wrote all the words, all the riffs. Actually, so all the riffs you know that you hear, even though they're they're played by um, uh, Marzi Montezari, which I think is a fantastic guitarist, um, Phil actually wrote those, and uh, it's it's actually really amazing, and they sound great. They are so tight live, you know. Their songs to me, I listened to the album beforehand several times because I pre-ordered it and I got it, and and uh, I was so excited for it. And I'm like, man, this could really be a train wreck whenever they play this live. I mean, it, it could either be like really sloppy or, oh, yeah. you know, it, but I'll tell you what, they played all the songs a lot faster than they are on the album. Because, of course, <laughs> Phil's like, one, two, three, four, you know, and they, they just go into it. Um, but everything was spot on. They are just as tight as War Beast was. And War Beast is amazingly tight. And Phil, with this. This group, you know, that uh, they, he's been playing on and off with them for, I guess, the past three or four years. And a lot of these songs were written like three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, man, they were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, sounded great. It was had a huge, huge, thick sound. And uh, Phil's banter. Man, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen uh, Pantera or Phil. You know, you always see well, him I down. down. Oh, yeah. So you're quite familiar with uh, the level of Phil's banter on stage mm-hmm. and he'll just, he'll just talk for a while. However, oh, yeah. however long he feels like. And uh, like, he'll seem like he's angry, but he's really having some fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like just, I don't know. He understands that music is a release and not necessarily a weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, like the sound of, of um, Phil Anselmo and the Illegals, it is closer to um, the type of stuff that I've heard, you know, from other housecore record bands. Like the the other band that opened for Down, um, when I saw Down, it was Down War Beast, and I don't know if you ever heard of Harp. 
Yeah, dude, um, they're awesome. They're, yeah, they're pretty cool, man. Um, they're they're like a sludgy hardcore metal mm-hmm. sound. Uh, they're so unique, you can't even really pin it down because it's like right. even within their sludgy hard stuff, there's there's a little bit of like, you, you know, prog sensibility. I would call it. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. like the songs are sort of unstructured and. Um, Ah oh, man, they're they're a very cool band, but they are a heavy fucking band, yeah. and um, they're they're you know if that's I, I get a sense that that's probably the type of music that he's into, and I'm glad that there's a guy who used to be in what was a big band and went on to not do what like you know what we had our Metallica episode about the evolution of Metallica's sound and how they became essentially more commercial followed by more like experimental in realms that they did not belong in it phil instead chooses to just make the music that he likes right. y- you know he makes it his own and i actually really appreciate that i mean dude what other metal people who are still around are actually doing what he does and i mean and i'm I'm, 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 you know, I'm not like the hugest down fan or anything, but I really appreciate that he he's putting his fucking heart into this. Yeah. We we talked a little about Slayer, and about how like they essentially make the same music over and over and over again, at not not to like start a firestorm with Slayer fans or whatever, but right. I mean it's kind of just the way it is. They do what they do, um, and there, there's other bands like that, dude. Do you think that Ozzy actually sits back and listens to his own records? <laughs> Maybe his old ones, and yeah. maybe he likes his Black Sabbath stuff. I haven't heard the new Black Sabbath, so I can't comment on that. But, like, do you really think that he listens to, like, uh, overproduced but energetic rock and metal stuff? Like, like uh, scream like you want it or whatever? <laughs> Dude, he doesn't, you know? Yeah. And, and, like, it's good to see that Phil is um, yeah, making what he likes. I think one of the most honest, uh, sort of transparent guys out there, and uh, somebody, you know, from way back, man, he's he's stuck to what he believes in and the kind of stuff. I mean, even with Pantera, and then with uh, you know Superjoint and Down and mm-hmm. everything, even Arson Anthem. Uh, have you ever have you uh, heard Arson Anthem? No, I have it's, not. Um, they have one CD out on Housecore, but it was uh, Phil actually played guitar. He didn't sing on that. He played guitar on the album. It's a punk, uh, sort of hardcore punk album. So it's oh, Phil really? on guitar. It's uh, the singer from I Hate God uh, singing. Uh, Hank Williams III is drumming. And uh, there's a bass player. I can't remember his name. He's some guy. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's an amazing friggin' album. And um, they actually played an arson anthem song at the show oh, yeah? that I saw um, uh, alongside uh, an agnostic front song that they covered. Oh, yeah? I, 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 yeah, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, that's really cool because they did two Pantera songs. They did Death Rattle and there was another Pantera song that he did. And I, um, oh, shoot. There was a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally blowing it here, but they did two Pantera <laughs> songs. Um, they did a super joint song. I think which was um it wasn't dressed like a target. It's fuck your enemy, actually, I think. Um they did and it was uh really, really cool. He did a lot of different songs and uh he brought out uh there was a guitarist he brought out. I mean it it's just a really, really fun show. And you know, I love the music, I love Phil, I love the whole show, it was great, but you know what the coolest, coolest part of the whole night was? No, what's that? He he did an encore, and it was actually a lengthy encore, like four or five songs at least. And then finally shows over, and uh, Phil doesn't leave the stage. The whole band leaves the stage. Lights go down. You know, the house music goes up and everything, whatever. People start leaving. And Phil's still out there on stage, and uh, he sort of plops himself down right on the edge of the stage, and he sits there, and he calls over a couple of the security guys that were standing because there's that that weird fence, you know, the metal fence thing in between the pit and the stage that the mm-hmm. security guys sort of stand in. And so he called over a couple of those guys, and Phil lit up a cigarette, you know, even though, the, you know, smoking is definitely banned from that whole building, but Phil lights up a cigarette. Because he, he'd, actually, he'd actually been smoking pot openly in uh, uh, that venue the whole night, you know, even during War Beast, he, he 
during the <laughs> during the war be set, he actually Phil ran out on stage with a lit joint and he gave a hit to the guitarist and he gave a hit to Bruce. Yeah, and then he uh, took he a hit himself that and then he he uh, ran back off stage and he was smoking again, you know, during the uh, during his own set. But um, then you know he sits down on the stage, you know, a couple security guys at his side. He lights up a cigarette. And then you can hear it. He's not even mic'd anymore, but you can hear it in the whole place. I was up in the balcony. And uh, he's like, all right, everybody, if you want anything signed, I'm here as long as you want me. Everybody gets stuff really? signed tonight. Good for him. And he sat there, and he was mobbed. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds. You know, just this huge, huge, the whole pit was full of people just pushing and trying to get to Phil. And he was there. He was like, yeah, man, that's good. And he was signing stuff, having a good time. He was meeting people, giving high fives and hugs and everything to people. And at that point, you know, I was in this small venue with Phil. So I'm like, oh, man, there's a chance I could meet him. There's a chance I could, you know, you know, go up and get something signed and whatever. But I saw that crowd, man. And I'm like, well, I still got an hour and a half drive back home. I could <laughs> See, that's wait the here. old man. That's yeah, the old man. Talking, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So uh, but that to me, that was the coolest thing. And that's what I've heard over the years. That's Phil's sort of philosophy in his heart toward his mm-hmm. fans he he puts it out there and he will stick around as long as it takes to make sure that every fan that's there that's that wants to just shake his hand or to get something signed that that is going to happen you know even if that means he he's up till the wee hours of the morning just hanging out but uh that was super super cool and yeah i did leave and not stick around but uh, <laughs> i loved it well well dude i did find the um the uh uh, there's this website I don't know if you know about it, but it's called setlist.fm. Oh, and dude, it's like a Wikipedia of set lists for shows. Ooh. So I actually found the uh, set list from the night you went. You said you went to Cleveland, oh, right? Far out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, they played um, the Black Sabbath "Symptom of the Universe" and "Dazed and Confused." Is that right? Yeah. Well, Let, yeah, they uh, they they hinted at "Dazed and Confused" actually because the bassist. Right after a song ended, the bassist mm-hmm. just, you know, went immediately into the dazed and confused riff, you know, dur, 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 dur. <laughs> you know, and I'm just, I thought he was playing around or whatever, but then all of a sudden the guitarist jumped in and then uh, Phil actually sang the couple, you know, the first couple lines of it, but then they immediately segued into one of their own songs. So, you know, it was oh. sort of a, uh, they played like an eighth of the song or whatever it was and, or Days and Confused is actually really long, so it's probably like you know, a sixtieth of the song or whatever. But um, well, but, uh, um, the uh, the Agnostic Front song was United and Strong. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. And uh, what so, uh, the Pantera was Death Rattle and what other? Uh, um, it says that they played. Hang on, Domination and Hollow. No Death Rattle. Uh, Death Rattle and Fuck Your Enemy. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, fuck so, your enemy was uh, super joint. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. Anyhow, that's cool shit, man. yeah, great show, great show. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and I'm just so happy that again, the last time I saw Phil was with Pantera in I think '98 or '99 when they were opening for uh, Black Sabbath and uh, doing. Uh, I think it was Sabbath's like second reunion tour or whatever, and I saw them in Pittsburgh, and it was uh, it was amazing. And the thing that uh, I always loved about seeing Pantera was that their sound was just as big live as it was on their albums. You know, I, I love Pantera for just their their energy and how heavy they came across. You know, Dimes' mm-hmm. riffs were so so heavy and so awesome. Yeah, um, I, I never got to see Pantera, but I did see Damage Plan. Oh, nice. And uh dude, I I like before I went, I I I wasn't that into Damage Plan. I knew like, you know, I knew their songs um cuz I I was aware of them, but I just wasn't that into them. But going like I I and I mean, we were saying this before Dimebag had died. We Dimebag is one of the best fucking uh, you know, performers I ever fucking yeah. saw in my life. He was so good. And I mean, just like, you know, the stuff he would play and stuff, uh, the the solos that he would just come up with for his little uh, jam sessions. 
Ah, uh, fucking A, dude. That was beautiful, beautiful shit. My wife still says that uh, it was Dimebag Daryl that made her deaf because of his solos. Wow. Uh, nice. Because her, her ears never hurt as much uh, as Dimebag Daryl. <laughs> uh, my ears were already shot at that point. But, uh, you know, that was just ear-bleeding stuff. And, like, I remember he was playing notes so high that it sounded like laser beams, you know? Yes. Like in a Star Wars movie. You're just, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. You know, and he and people were like around us were covering their ears and stuff. And he was up on stage like laughing and playing at the same time, like laughing at the people covering their ears. Funny fucking shit. And it, it was awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's one of those guys, man, that he could get up there. And Pantera actually as a band, they could get up there every night. And no matter how loaded they were and how, you know, Phil was on a lot of drugs at a lot of, you know, at, at, uh, you know, for a big span uh, of their popular days. But, uh, for the most part, you know, dime, dime was a drinker. Vinny was a drinker. Rex was a drinker, you know, and they all, all drank, just partied, partied, partied. But when Mm -hmm. they hit the stage, man, it didn't matter how many beers and shots they had before that. It didn't matter at all because dime was spot on Rex who, I mean, he's a very, very solid bassist, but he hit everything. Vinny is a, he's like a robotic drummer. And mm-hmm. they just clicked. Everything came together really well. And uh, yeah, there was, you know, always that sort of uh, you know, Phil is sort of a loose cannon. And so we're not quite sure what we're going to hear from him tonight and who he's going to offend tonight. But, uh, you know, that's just what it was. But every time you went to Pantera, you knew they were going to be friggin' tight. And there were, you know, there were going to be no, you know, blaring, you know, any, any sort of flaws in the performance at all. And um, it was pretty much Phil that was always the sort of variable there and uh, what he was going to say and how he was going to perform a lot of times. But, uh, man, that that band, and even Dime, I'm just finding out more about Dime, I've become fascinated with him as a person and a guitarist and sort of uh, where he's come from because I, I've uh, recently read uh, Rex Brown's book, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah? I don't know if you've read that. Um, no, no, I didn't even know he had a book. Oh, man, yeah, he wrote sort of a, uh, I wouldn't call it a tell-all, but it was more of like a memoir of uh, him growing up and how he got involved with Pantera and sort of plays things out clear to the end, you know, even to where he is now with Kill Devil Hill. And uh, the way he describes a lot of what went on uh, during the heyday and uh, sort of the decline and all the weirdness that went on, you know, in the early two thousands with whatever and, um, a great book, a great book. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm so fascinated with dime man because he could, he could just, he could, uh, he could do things on guitar that nobody else could do, you know, and, uh, just, just, wow. What a guy. And everybody loved him again. Dimebag Daryl. He's a guy you can go search wide and far. I mean, just every, anything, that people have to say about Dime is they absolutely love him. He was the coolest oh, yeah. guy in the world. He was always the guy that made you feel, you know, like you were really, really cool to him. You know, he was that kind of guy that uh, just made everybody feel special. And uh, he he did not have the air of somebody who was at, you know, his level of stardom and talent. You know, he's the guitarist from Pantera. He was responsible for their heaviness and those right. solos and everything. But, I mean, he was just some guy out to party and have fun and make a lot of friends and just hang out and have a good time. And he was just uh, an amazing guy, an anomaly, because he had mm-hmm. no ego whatsoever. None. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's just... um. I mean, he was so awesome, and I remember they were coming around again. They were touring. Shadow, it was the tour that he was killed on, um, Shadows Fall and Damage Plan. And we were like, no, nah, man, let's not go to this one. Let's go see them when they play, like, OzFest next summer or something. Yeah, you know, and, uh, I mean, I want to see them again, just not right now. We just saw him a couple of months ago, and, uh, you know, then, of course, he got killed. And it it, it is just, like... Such a stupid loss because he was so good. And it's like, motherfucker, you could have killed anybody in metal. <laughs> yeah. And you had to kill him. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. And uh, just in the past couple of days here, we celebrated uh, Dime's birthday. So uh, mm-hmm. I uh, listened. Actually, I listened to uh, uh, the Damage Plan album and uh, some. You know, a couple. Uh, I listened to Far Beyond Driven and uh, um, Vulgar Display. Just uh, you know, my little tribute to Dime because uh, that's really that's really what uh, made him a special special person to me. And so you know, rest in peace, man. Uh, there's not going to be anybody like you, and there's, uh, I don't think, any chance for a Pantera reunion with uh, the likes of Zach Wild. Dude, they're, they're never going to do it, dude. Like, I know that, like, you know, even Vinnie Paul recently, like in the past couple of years, he said, like, um, I, we, I would only ever do it if Zach Wild would play for us. And they asked Phil Anselmo about it, and he was like, uh, I don't know. Uh, first off, I'd have to hash out all my issues with Vinnie Paul, and then I'd have to hash out all my issues with Zach Wild, <laughs> and, and then maybe, maybe we could do yeah. it, but not for very long. It could really Zach, be a thing. And he's like, "No, I'm not doing that." No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the people want it, but these people are never going to get their shit together. So, yeah. uh, yeah. let's move. Let, let's move on from Pantera. It's done, dude. And I mean, we'd all love to see it. And sometimes cool shit happens, but sometimes, you know, the lead singer of Linkin Park ends up the ends up singing for Stone Temple Pilots. Who knows, man? Like, oh my God. Weird, weird shit happens. Yeah. I was just reading <laughs> not about metal that, at too, all. here not, uh, not long ago. Well, I'll tell you what, that Stone Temple Pilots, man, their first album, their first major album, anyhow, um, Core, uh, sex type thing. I thought was was so heavy at that point in time, like 1993 or 94, whenever it came out. Man, mm-hmm. sex type thing was uh, was huge. So I, you know, Stone Temple Pilots again was, uh, you know, another another grunge band. It, it's so hard, man, because these grunge bands they cross a lot of lines. You know, or these metal bands, or are these more rock bands, or more alternative bands or you know where are they because a lot of them have really heavy songs like nirvana has a lot of really really heavy songs mm-hmm. you know, especially on bleach and incesticide and you know even in utero a lot of really right. you know they have a lot of crunch to them and a lot of heavy stuff and i'm like that's sort of a metal song but at the same time they're sort of rock stone oh, yeah. temple pilots man you know same kind of thing although you know you look at their catalog and they're they're far more i think rock you know, pop yeah, sort of. Yeah, I think they became like much more of a hard rock band. I mean, yeah. Nirvana, like you said, though, man, like they were they talk about how, um, yeah, you know, Kurt, Kurt Cobain said a lot that like his one of his favorite bands was the Melvins yes. and that he was so inspired by their sound. And of course, like Dave Grohl obviously was a metalhead. I mean, I know a lot of people might not know that unless you know about Probot. I Which we'll bring that. up on the show. I'm I'm gonna bring it. I'm that's gonna be one of my album review picks when I get to pick. Dude, that was Definitely. I was thinking the same thing. I finally found that CD on eBay. You can't get it on Amazon unless you want to pay a premium for it. And I found some guy on eBay selling it. And oh, I dude! Finally, after all these years, got the Probot CD because I'd only been hearing tracks here and there, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 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 one of my favorite metal CDs ever. Yes, and I, and I mean. He he clearly loves metal and like I mean you know there's even old pictures of him and Nirvana wearing Slayer T-shirts and stuff. Even though yes he writes the uh, sissy girl music as um, Zach Wild calls it, uh, Foo Fighters. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, I believe Zach Wild's actual quote is "Fuck Dave Grohl, fuck that guy. He's a faggot. He plays for a fucking girl band, and I don't want to hear him. I'll kick his ass. Fuck him." <laughs> that that wow. was a real quote. I'm not joking. Uh, about Zach Wild on Foo Fighters. I think but. Zach Wild is pretty much the only man in the world that, again, would have anything bad to say about Dave Grohl. Because Dave Grohl just seems like an all-around nice guy. You know? Like, he's... He just yeah. likes doing what he's doing. He's very talented, and he's... It just, you know, he's Dave Grohl. Leave him alone, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, who cares? Dude, like, uh, you know, I I... When it comes to Foo Fighters, I like their first album and like yeah. nothing after that point, except for some of the, some of the stuff here and there, of course. But um, Probot, Probot is amazing. What a, yes. dude, Probot is amazing. Shake Your Blood is one of my favorite yes. songs ever. I love it. It just rocks so fucking hard. Ah, uh, we got to save our Probot discussion because that one's coming. Uh, yes, yes, I believe but, uh, so. Uh, shit, dude, man. So. This has been great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's all the shows we've seen and just, uh, you know, cool stuff. Um, but man, man, this has uh, been a lot of fun. 
and we don't get to just sit down and talk about you know random stuff and and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. No, it's fun talking to you, motherfucker. So I'm glad we did this. Yes, yes. Well, Nick, you're on the Slasher Cast. I'm on the Electric Chair and Evil Episodes, and yep. man, all these links, of course, are out there for you people to to listen to. But uh, we really appreciate the people that have been listening to the show. Mm-hmm. It's uh, actually been uh, quite surprising, being that uh, we just sort of sprung up and started doing the show without really telling anybody, and just sort of making a Facebook page and a website and just doing it. So uh, that's that's yeah. really, really cool. We're going to, you know, get into some listener feedback, you know, here at some point, and we really appreciate that. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, call the voicemail, leave comments. We had some great comments on the website and the Facebook page and stuff. And, man, it's uh, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm yeah, happy. Let, let us know how we're doing. Follow us on Twitter, at DevilHornsCast. Find us on Facebook and just be like, hey, guys, listen to this. Post videos to our Facebook page. We need new suggestions just like you need them, man. Uh, tell us what, what's cool, what's out there, man. Come on. Yeah. We have opinions for everything, you know. And uh, Oh, yeah, we do. We're going to be fair, though, too, because we were, I, I think we were very fair with Christian metal. Extremely <laughs> fair. Yeah, so if we can be fair with Christian yeah. metal, then we can be fair with anything. And, uh really appreciate it. and that's that's what it boils down to man i think we can really appreciate music for music's sake and for the feeling and the, and the heaviness and the riffs and the talent that is there behind it and uh so man it's been a lot of fun nick you know again we did uh miss mike zombie and uh, he will be with us uh soon again uh once he gets himself untangled from the mess that he's got himself into now but uh <laughs> you know it's uh it's been a lot of fun tonight man and i do appreciate that uh, you've taken the time to talk. Dude, no problem, man. This is fun. We we got to keep coming up with cool stuff to keep this thing going. Oh, we have some we have some crazy things in the works here, man. We have some great ideas, and I can't wait to do it again. So, devilhorns.org. Everyone, check us out. We'll be talking with you again soon. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Devil Horns. Join us at devilhorns.org. Opening music for Devil Horns is taken from the song Killdozer by Strychnia from their EP, Reanimated Monstrosity. Find Strychnia at facebook.com forward slash Strychnia.